Hey, Shane. Well, at this point, let's uh, kick it over to our interview here with Clint Lamb, who covers uh, Alabama for USA Today Sports with the Roll Tide Wire. And he's a radio host at uh, The Ump in Athens, Alabama. And he also hosts the Bama Beat podcast for Tuscaloosa News. He really went on a deep dive. You can tell, you know, he knows Alabama in and out. He also covers Auburn for Saturday Down South, where I work. So, hey, give us some insight under the Tigers. So let's kick it over to our interview with Clint Lamb. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Clint Lamb. He's going to give us a lowdown here on Alabama and Auburn. And, of course, you can follow him at Clint R. Lamb on Twitter. And this guy, I mean, he's one of the hardest working guys, probably in the entire state of Alabama down there, managing editor for the Roll Tide Wire of USA Today Sports. He's a radio host with The Ump down in uh, Athens, Alabama, and he's the host of the Bama Beat podcast, which is with the uh, Tuscaloosa News, and hell, he even writes for Little Auburn here for Saturday Down South. So Clint, thanks so much for taking the time from your busy schedule to, to join the podcast here. No problem at all, man. Glad to be here. Glad we're finally reaching that point where we have a little bit of SEC football to talk about. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness. I mean, imagine our lives if we didn't have this. I don't know about you, but... uh, that's like my own personal hell right there. Yeah, and I got to be honest, the emotional roller coaster of going through the off season, you know, you, you just start getting to a point where you're confident the season's going to happen, and then something drastic occurs, and then you start getting kind of pessimistic, and then you know you start trying to build back up that hope, and and we're we're here. I mean, it, it, it's happening. Whether some people want it to or not is beside the point. We're moving on, and and there's still a lot to navigate as far as teams and such. Uh, you know coming down with with some cases and having to postpone or cancel games we're going to be dealing with that all season but what I do like is the fact that we're putting our heads down and we're moving forward and and that's you know very promising and it's time for the SEC to join everybody else and playing a little college football so I'm excited about it yeah absolutely so let's just dive right into the football starting with uh, Alabama of course I wanted to get your thoughts on just your confidence level that Alabama's defense is going to be better this season after you know they were still very good last year but it just wasn't quite up to that Nick Saban Alabama standard so how confident are you that they can get back to that level this year uh pretty confident actually uh and you know Dylan Moses and losing him at the time that they did losing that experience factor that he brought to the inside linebackers uh and then you had Joshua McMillan another guy who was supposed to be a fifth year senior uh last season he goes down with an injury as well you go from having two super experienced guys there in the middle of your defense to having two true freshmen in Christian Harris and Shane Lee. And that just singular uh, problem creates a whole lot of headaches, you know, as far as your defense are concerned, your, your off ball linebackers are supposed to be your communicators and kind of keeping everything together. And Shaheen Carter and Xavier McKinney did a fantastic job of stepping up and, and kind of assuming those roles last season. But when you combine that with, you know, just the the inexperience along the defensive front. A guy like LeBron Ray, who's supposed to be one of your rocks and experienced players, he goes down with an injury. And now you got a lot of true freshmen in there rotating. What that did was it created, uh, A, some continuity heading into this season and got a lot of those young guys' experience. So last year, some of those weaknesses, whether you're talking about the defensive line and the lack of experience, whether you're talking about the inside linebackers, and the lack of experience there, now they're strengths of, of the team. You know, I, I would argue that Alabama, from a defensive line perspective, is eight or nine deep with guys that they trust that can rotate in and make an impact on Saturdays. 
that's, you know, fantastic news. You get LeBron Ray back. You did lose Raquan Davis, but you got Tim Smith, a five-star defensive lineman who's been able to crack the top two as far as the depth chart's concerned. You have Dylan Moses coming back uh, uh, along with Joshua McMillan on top of getting Christian Harris and Shane Lee Black. Plus, you throw in Ollie Cahoe. Uh, Jalen Moody was a guy who was surprisingly listed ahead of Shane Lee on the depth chart. So I, I think they're in very good spots there. That should help. Uh, you have a lack of true experience out there on the edge with your outside linebackers uh, with the losses of, of Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings. Chris Rowland's by far the most experienced guy out there. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be Will Anderson, the true freshman five-star, uh, that's going to be able to step up and assume a, a starting role for Alabama at the Jack linebacker spot. And you got Drew Sanders, another four, uh, five-star kid coming out of high school who's going to be able to provide a little bit of depth there. Uh, but I think that is one of the big question marks is, is can they can consistently create a pass rush from the exterior? I think they'll be able to do a good job of, of getting interior pressure, but having that complimentary exterior pressure will be extremely important, especially when you're breaking in a few new guys uh, along the back half of your defense. The secondary, of course, replaced a ton of guys like Trevon Diggs, Shaheen Carter, uh, Jared Maiden, Xavier McKinney. Uh, several starters outside of Patrick Sertan are now gone. You're, you've got some guys with some experience there, but you also got some true freshmen like Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, who are going to be stepping into much larger roles. So if you aren't able to get a consistent pass rush on top of trying to break in a new secondary, allowing them to get a little bit of game experience, you could find yourself in a little bit of trouble. But the good news is you've got Missouri in week one. Uh, you don't want to take any uh, opponent lightly, but for the SEC and all SEC schedule, that's one of the ones you would have probably have wanted to have circled to try to get in week one to try to work some things out. And so that's good. So, you know, a lot of Alabama fans have kind of written off uh, Pete Golding and his ability to be a defensive coordinator. But just with that, what Alabama has returning, the, the depth they were able to continue to add through the 2020 recruiting class, I think Pete Golding is going to have a bounce back year. And the Alabama defense in general is going to have a huge bounce back year. Jumping over to the other side of the ball with obviously Tua off to the NFL, are you expecting, you know, a drop off in the passing attack? Or do you think maybe the experience Mac Jones got last year would just be invaluable this year? And kind of along with that, do you think we see Bryce Young take any meaningful snaps for Alabama this year? Well, first of all, I think that by losing Tua Tungvaloa like Alabama did last year, uh, you know, could you really imagine the situation we'd be in right now as far as trying to evaluate where Alabama's at as far as its quarterback battle if we didn't get those, you know, four or five appearances from uh, from Mac Jones last year? You know, we would be completely left in the dark. There'd be a lot of people who would be going ahead and assuming that Bryce Young would be the starter. But with what Mac Jones was able to do, you know, coming in and assuming that starting role, taking command of the offense, he earned the trust of his teammates. Uh, did a very good job of distributing the football when he would make a mistake, at least in the Iron Bowl, with those two pick sixes. Following those mistakes, he showed the ability to bounce back in a very hostile environment there in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, and, and so I think he showed enough traits where you can feel pretty comfortable with the quarterback position if he ends up being the guy that looks like he's going to, to at least start the season. And I fully expect with the talent that he's going to have around him, you know, the offensive line returning four out of five starters, Plus, they've been able to build up a ton of depth there. I think that's another spot where Alabama's probably eight or nine guys deep where they feel comfortable with eight or nine guys being in the starting lineup. you got depth along your offensive line. You've got plenty of experience. Uh, so they should be able to, uh, you know, whether it be in pass protection or run blocking, should be able to get 
um, you know, do more than enough. I think they'll be one of the best offensive lines in the country. But, you know, uh, from a complimentary standpoint, the running backs and the stable they have with Najee Harris coming back, you've got Trey Sanders coming back from an injury, former five-star guy that's going to be able to add his, uh, himself into the mix, a couple of true freshmen who's going to add some depth. So you've got what should be considered an extremely strong running game with that offensive line running back combination. You still have one of the best one-two punches at receiver in all of college football with Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Uh, you've got a really deep stable of tight ends with Carl Tucker, the North Carolina grad transfer, moving over. So from an uh, from a, a weapons and, and guys around them standpoint, I think Mac Jones is in the perfect position to succeed. And it's not like I think that they're going to win in spite of a Mac Jones. I think there might be some occasions where they win because of a Mac Jones, just simply because of what he was able to show last year. But if he does have some mistakes, and I guarantee you he's going to, um, you know, he, he's not to a tongue of a lower. He doesn't throw with the same accuracy. He doesn't have uh, – there's, there's plenty of traits to like about Mac Jones. But what I really respected about Steve Sarkeesian was his ability to, to take a different kind of style quarterback in Mac Jones compared to Tua and kind of build the offense around him on the fly. And, and really what that did was that they started making Najee Harris the focal point of the offense. So I think you'll continue to see that. They'll rely on the run game, let Mac Jones play off of that quite a bit. So I think he's set up for success, which, you know, will make it very difficult for a guy like Bryce Young to come in and see any sort of meaningful snaps. Whether he's deserved that opportunity or not may not be, you know, the, the, the question. Because I certainly think from what I've heard, He's a guy who's really coming uh, along strong. We all knew that he had it between the years, and he had to want to to be a, a really good quarterback early on in his career. So it, it isn't a knock on Bryce Young in any sort of way. It's just that I think that with everything surrounding Mac Jones and the experience that he has and the trust that he has with his teammates, uh, that might be you know very difficult for a guy like Bryce Young to overcome. So you know, do I think that Bryce Young ends up getting any sort of meaningful snaps in 2020? I think at some point he has to. Uh, but at the same time, do I think that it's going to be extremely easy? Do I think it's going to be happening by, you know, October 3rd against Texas A&M or October 17th with Georgia? More than likely, I would say no. It might be something where you start seeing a little bit more of him down the stretch following the bye week in early November, uh, just depending on how things are shaking out and depending on how Mac Jones is doing, which I fully anticipate that he'll have a really good season for Alabama and end up being one of the, considered one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. So what's your biggest unanswered question you have for Alabama heading into the opener at Missouri? Well, I, I think I'm going to go back to the combination of the exterior pass rush and the secondary because I, I feel like that's potentially not a great combination. If, if they're not able to generate any sort of consistent pass rushing, and they can certainly do that from their interior and be somewhat fun, but what we saw – back in the national championship game a couple of years ago against Clemson, you had the interior pressure from a guy like Quentin Williams. Uh, but the problem is, is Clemson was able to scheme him out of making any sort of significant impact. And Alabama didn't have the exterior pass rushers to be able to complement and, and uh, create problems for the Clemson offense. So it's that same kind of thing where if I feel like if you don't have at least one dominant exterior pass rusher, you can potentially put a lot more pressure on your secondary and while I have a, a ton of, uh, you know, confidence in Alabama secondary, especially their starters, I think at corner, the depth there is a little bit unknown. I don't feel necessarily great about it. But either way, you're breaking in new guys. There's going to be growing pains. And if you aren't able to generate a good exterior pass rush on top of having, you know, a secondary that may be susceptible to mental lapses, 
at certain points in the game, that can make a huge difference. And so they're going to make sure that they need to make sure that they at least get one of those problems solved almost immediately. Because like I said, you know, Missouri might be considered one of the easier opponents in the SEC, but they're still an SEC team. They're still going to be someone that you have to prepare for. Someone, you know, uh, South Carolina versus Georgia last year. You know, South Carolina and Missouri, I would say, were in kind of comparable spaces as, as far as the way they were viewed. And you got a team like Georgia who was kind of comparable to Alabama from a talent level standpoint, who wasn't able to get the job done and it ended up getting beat. So anything can happen. And and with the question marks, even though I don't think there's a ton of them for Alabama, there, it could end up being something where the combination of a couple of factors could make a huge difference, not just against Missouri, but if you can't get it fixed before uh, Texas A&M in week two, you could potentially have a problem there. So I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Um, but outside of that, I think Alabama's in pretty good shape pretty much all the way around. I mean, you, you don't want to try to overhype teams. Uh, that's certainly not been something that I enjoy doing. But when I go in and I say, you know, let me try to find something that I have a concern with. And, you know, I guess one of the areas that I could, as we're kind of talking, and this is on the fly, would be maybe the punter. Um, you know, I think that that's a situation that could potentially we don't know who the starting punter is going to be right now sam johnson the true freshman he's listed as the first team punter but they got a bunch of oars between charlie scott which is jk uh, scott's little brother and top Piron. all three of those guys are still in the mix and what we saw with jk scott a couple of years ago to be able to flip build position in a lot of crucial crucial situations that can help uh your team so that might be an area of concern will reichard coming back from an injury uh being the place kicker I know Alabama fans always like it, and I'm all for it. I like giving the Alabama kickers a hard time as well. <laughs> but when you, uh, but at the same time, when you look at Will Riker and what he could potentially be for Alabama, it might not be something that we can give them, uh, you know, a whole lot of grief about this season. So there are a few question marks, but nothing that is to a point where it would be a cause for major concern. Now that could change once we actually start watching some games and figuring out, okay. You know, the defense can't get off the field in third down situations again this year, or there's unnecessary uh, penalties that are prolonging drives. Uh, that, you know, uh, the, the way that the offense is working as far as some of these guys having to step up uh, in the number one and number two roles like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, you know, they worked a lot better when you had Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs there taking a lot of pressure off of them. There, there's things that can creep up, but as of right now, uh, when I look at, at Alabama compared to a lot of the top national championship contending teams, there are very few that I would say I feel as confidently about as Alabama as far as being able to continue to sustain. But, you know, there's still question marks just like there is with any team. Well, let's flip the conversation over to Auburn because uh, it seems like, you know, the storylines, everything you hear about the Tigers, it all may come down to Bo Nix and how he fits in this new system we all know it's been an unconventional offseason. So how much confidence do you have that Bo Nix will take that big second-year leap without a traditional offseason, no spring? Uh, what's your confidence level that Bo Nix gets it done this year? Well, what's unfortunate with Bo Nix is that you look at what you would expect. Some of the biggest jumps that you'll see players make is between year one and year two at the quarterback position. And I was super excited and still am super excited to see Bo Nix there's a couple of factors in play. Uh, obviously, you're replacing four out of your five starters along your offensive line, although there are some people who believe this group could actually end up being better than last year's, even though they had a ton of experience last season. That group just never ended up developing to the degree that a lot of people had hoped. 
So it is possible, despite replacing four out of five starters, that they could end up being to a point where they're actually a better group. But you're going to have some some growing pains there. Uh, the, the offensive line is going to need to gel. They've got new guys who have been coming in. Brandon Council, the guy from Akron, he's going to be going and starting at right guard for Auburn. On top of that, you talk about um, not having that traditional offseason. You didn't really get to have spring, summer stuff. You're trying to break in, being in a new offense with Chad Morris. This combination of things makes me a little less excited to see the second-year jump for, for Bo Nix, but that does not mean that he's not capable because I certainly think that he will be. And the good news for him is he's going to have an extremely deep stable of running backs. Uh, you know, you can go four or five deep there with guys you can trust that should be able to allow you to, you know, maybe you lean on the run game a little bit as long as your offensive line can hold up as far as run blocking. You have a ton of weapons in the passing game, probably as, as many as really anybody in the SEC. So that those are the good side. You know, that's the good side of, of where Bo Nix could potentially be in year two. I'm extremely excited for what he can be. And there are a lot of people who point to the inconsistency issues that he had last season. And, and I'll be the first to admit when you throw on some of the tape, there was some concerns with that in certain games, you know, against Georgia and, and others. But at the same time, it was kind of to be expected. You know, you got a true freshman guy, and, and it's not like, you know, he had somebody that he could turn and learn from in the quarterback room. You know, you talk about if Bryce Young were to become the guy this year for Alabama, he could turn around and learn from a, a guy like Matt Jones, potentially, a guy who's been there, done it, seen plenty of reps. Bo Nix didn't have that last year. So, you know, him – being able to get into an offensive system that I think Chad Morris is going to be able to bring to the table, which should be very uh, entertaining to watch, or at least I hope that it is. I certainly think he's the guy who can take that next step and become one of the premier quarterbacks in the SEC. But at the same time, there are a few things you got to look at and say, okay, it's not a guarantee. It's more of a hope at this point. And we'll just kind of have to see. We'll know a lot, you know, come week one, Kentucky's defense, uh, you know, Jamar Watson is one of the top pass rushers returning in the SEC they got a couple of other good defensive linemen, and you know there is probably going to be one of, if not the best, opening week games of uh, of the SEC season. So I'll be watching that extremely close, uh, and you know could probably tell you a lot more about how I feel about Bo Nix. But going off of what I know right now, there are plenty of things to like about his second year leap, and there's plenty of concerns that need to be addressed. I think Kevin Steele's he may be the best defensive coordinator in the SEC. I think he's just done a tremendous job there the last couple of years. I think that's. He's the only reason Gus still got a job, because he's done such a good job, in my opinion. (laughs) How well do you think Kevin Steele will reload on this defensive side of the ball, considering the massive overhaul in personnel? That's another area where there's concern. Uh, The defensive line, you lose Marlon Davidson, you lose Derek Brown, uh, your secondary. uh, There's been a lot of turnover there. But the thing what I like about Kevin Steele and what I like about Auburn is that they that's a, a spot where they tend to do a pretty good job of reloading and not having to rebuild a whole lot. And, and this should be uh, the case again. You know, Big Cat Bryant is a guy who's seen some action. He's going to have to take the next step in his development there at defensive end. Derek Hall, a guy who showed plenty of flashes, uh, wasn't really expected to be a year one contributor last year, but was able to step up. Him playing the butt position is what actually allowed them to switch Big Cat to to the defensive end role. Uh, you got Colby Wooden, who is kind of a surprise starter on the depth chart, an interior defensive lineman. Uh, he's only 6'4", 268 pounds, but Kevin still, you know, just a couple of weeks ago was talking about how he's gotten bigger, he's gotten stronger. I think he came in at like 230 pounds uh, last or before last season. Got, he's been a guy who's probably been one of the more consistent 
uh, players along the interior defensive line for Auburn, like what he brings to the table. The linebackers are absolutely loaded. You know, them losing Kobe Wooten, that does, you know, kind of – that's going to be a pretty big hit, but you still got K.J. Britt and Owen Popo, the Kobe McLean. They have options in the middle of their defense, and that's going to have to be – what kind of runs the show to at least start the season and some of these guys start to step up. But I'm a huge Roger McCreary fan. I'm a huge Damian Sherwood fan. Smoke Monday is a guy who I think can be uh, one of their premier safeties in the SEC. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, Smoke Monday and Damian Sherwood were considered one of the top safety duos in all of the SEC. Uh, I think they have a, a ton of potential there. From a depth perspective, they might not be as deep as some of these other rosters, you know, like a Georgia or an Alabama. Um, but at the same time, they have some depth that at a couple of key places, and hopefully you can continue to build that depth. You know, T.D. Moultrie is a guy from an edge rusher perspective that I think is going to have to play a bit, pretty big part in the defense. You know, it's, it's guys like that that they're really going to need to step up, and if they can get that, you know, Zacavius Walker, the four-star top 100 prospect who, you know, came in as a strong side defensive end but got moved inside uh, to defensive tackle as well. He's listed number two on the depth chart. If you can get some contributions from those guys, I think this is, could continue to be one of the better defenses in the SEC. And when you combine that, uh, you know, with, with what they might have offensively, it could actually end up complementing each other. Because like I said, I think Derek Hall has a ton of potential as far as his pass rush ability. Big Cat Bryant has some tools that, that, that I like as well if they can be a dominant pass rushing team, because as good as Auburn's defense was last year, they weren't necessarily a dominant pass rushing team. They didn't have that guy that was going to be racking up 10 plus sacks. And, you know, when you combine potentially a high powered offense, that's going to be able to hopefully score points on the offensive side of the football. If you can complement that with a pretty strong secondary, which I think Auburn could still have on top of having guys who could get to the quarterback, then there is back and, and create, you know, some havoc. I think that it could be a complementary team from an offensive and defensive perspective, which would, you know, could realistically help Auburn still be super competitive in the uh, in the SEC West. All right, final thing before I get you out of here, Clint. I don't want a record prediction just because, you know, it's a 10-game season. Nobody knows how this is going to play out. I think that's too difficult to just pin down a record. But by the end of the, the season, the regular season, what place Alabama – going to be in the SEC West? What place is Auburn going to be in the SEC West? Ooh, man, that's tough. You know, obviously, I have to go Alabama being number one because I think they have the least amount of question marks of really any team. You know, with LSU and the turnover they have, whether it be coaching staff offensively, defensively, there's a, a lot of concerns there. And even if they replace 80% of the production they lost from last season, uh, th that 20% is enough to kind of drop you from being a record-setting type of team to just being a, a solid team, getting you down there in that range of maybe being, you know, personally right now, until I actually see Miles Brennan and LSU, I've got LSU finishing fourth in the SEC West. And there are a lot of people who can't fathom that. And I understand, and, and it might be something where I'll look and say, man, I really can't believe that I thought that LSU could even possibly finish, you know, towards the middle of the SEC West. Look at how good they are. That's, that's a very real possibility. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, when you compare that to, to Texas A&M, they've lost a couple of guys here recently that, that are cause for concern. Uh, I would venture to say Alabama finishes number one. I've had a tough time deciding between, you know, Texas A&M, Auburn, and, and I, you know, for the LSU, I really want just from name recognition and overall talent on the roster, I want to put them in the mix as well. But 
I've just continuously left them off. And so I think that, you know, Auburn finishes probably in that number two or number three range and could, you know, potentially finish with, you know, a seven and three record. Uh, it's possible they go like a six and four. I would probably say that would be kind of the floor uh, maybe, but it's possible they could also go eight and two. So there's just a wide range of possibilities as far as how things shake out. And that's what will make this season really interesting. But I, if I, if you are asking as far as projected finish, I would put Alabama at one, Auburn at three. All right. Well, you just lost us all our LSU listeners, so I appreciate that one. But uh, he's Clint Lamb, at Clint R. Lamb. Must follow for everyone out there who loves SEC football. Head on over to Roll Tide Wire. Check out everything he's written over there. Subscribe to the Bama Beat Podcast. If you're not doing that, you're already doing it wrong. And he's got Auburn columns at Saturday Down South. Clint, I really do appreciate you hopping on and, and dropping some knowledge on us. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think he did an outstanding job. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate you having me on. And, you know, good luck this season. I know we're both going to be pretty busy, but I'm excited about it. So thanks for having me on.